Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Camero here with episode 294 of the Tutor Podcast. It's the Monday morning show for anyone in the business of helping people through teaching, tutoring or coaching. Now, I'm here to share ideas and insights I've had, assimilated, borrowed, stolen, purloined during the 24 years I've been in business and from the tens of thousands of pounds I've invested and continue to invest in my own training and education. And to just give it to you in an easy, no-nonsense, no-BS kind of way. So, without all said and out the way, let's crack on with today's show. I want to talk about the vexed subject of money, and more specifically, what it is, what it isn't, and beliefs and ideas about money, which will help you, as they've helped me, to make more of the stuff. Now, I wish I could have learned this as a younger man, because if I'd known this when I was younger, it would have made a big difference. I didn't really start thinking about making money work for me until I was pushing 50. And that's kind of late in the day. What would life have been like if I'd been busy with money 35 years earlier? That doesn't even bear thinking about. You see, the tragedy is that we don't teach kids about money in the school system. So it's no wonder to me that so many adults sleepwalk in the world of money and the world of finance, blind to the possibilities and options available to just about everybody, but used by very few people. Every single one of us, including you, knows someone who's not good with money. It may even be you who is that person. But lack of understanding and ignorance of money is optional because there are so many useful tools and sources out there, either for free or for very, very low cost. You may be born poor and ignorant, and that's not your fault. But if you stay that way, it is your fault. A bloody shame on you. Right. Let's talk about money. What is it? It's a myth. It's completely made up. It's a construct. The idea is that money is actually just a tool, a means to make things easier. Um, Think of it as something that lubricates an exchange of value between two people. It's way easier to carry a £20 note or a debit card down to the shops than it is to carry a sheep down so to go and exchange the sheep for something. Money is then essentially a store of value. Think of your teaching or other income. You know, the fees that you charge for giving away what you know and understand and helping people get what they want. The value of that is converted into paper or metal or numbers on a screen. It's pretty easy, right? And... Those pieces of paper, metal or numbers on a screen can be exchanged with other people for their 
numbers on screen for the value of what they do. We can transmit it, we can exchange that value using these little tools called banknotes or bank transactions or debit card transactions. And that's all it is. Money is neutral. It's not good, it's not bad, it's like a knife that cuts bread or stabs someone. How you use it, or how you get used by it, that's the interesting part to me. You see, money is just an amplifier. It allows you to be more of who you are. So if you're a complete knob when you're skint, the chances are you're just going to be a bigger, louder, more obnoxious knob when you've got loads of money. Likewise, if you're a, a kind, generous sort of a person who helps other people, you'll be able to do more of that good stuff if you've got lots of money. So it's neutral. It just shows you who you really are. But remember, it's not real. It's all made up. It's just a dream. It's just a social convention that's been conjured into life to make things easy. Now, how can I prove this? It's really simple. It's government policy. See, money used to be made of a valuable thing, metal, coins. And originally that was like gold or silver. And that's a finite resource. And that finite resource has a value because people believe it's valuable. Now, because it's finite, there's a limit to how much money that's backed by gold or silver or other other substance that can be issued and backed by that gold. But back in 1931, Britain came off the gold standard, so now money isn't actually backed by anything. That's kind of okay as long as the people continue to believe that money was actually worth something. Then the government went ahead and decided it was okay to sell off the nation's gold to pay the debts they'd run up. And that's exactly what they did. All the gold that was actually an asset of the entire nation was flogged off. Nice. So we've ended up with something called fiat currency. And fiat just means let it be. It's a Latin word, sometimes translated as it shall be or let it be done. And these fiat currencies, the pound, the euro, the dollar, just about everything, has value because the government maintains the value. The money itself is, is useless. It has no intrinsic value. Now... Back in the day, when governments would mint the coins out of a valuable physical commodity, which is our gold and silver, you could actually exchange, well, the coinage, for more or less of other physical commodities. But today you can't really do that. What can you exchange a tenner for? Well, probably another tenner or a couple of fivers. There is no underlying commodity to exchange for it. There's nothing holding up the currency. So therefore, 
doesn't that set you free from the need to hold on to those scruffy bits of paper? Mm, maybe. Think of it this way. If it's all made up and it's just generally agreed on, therefore it's as good as real, just as long as everyone continues to believe in it. bit like the tooth fairy, isn't it? It's only worth what someone believes it's worth. A £20 note is just paper, or these days plastic, until someone believes it's worth more or less and will exchange that higher or lower value for it. Now, yeah, money makes things easier. You don't, I mean, I don't know how I would carry the value of my teaching to the shop to buy a loaf of bread or some cake. How do you do that? It's too abstract. So the money allows us to store the value of what we do. We can save it, we can invest it, we can pass on the value of our work and the value of us. Freeing us up from the tyranny of constant work by building up savings reserves of stored value. So here's basically how the money thing works. I decide that my lessons are worth a certain number of made-up units. You could call them pounds, you could call them dollars, you could call them beer tokens, you can call them whatever. My customers freely agree that my lessons are worth that number of units of beer tokens and they want to exchange their beer tokens for my time, my knowledge and my skill. Peachy. Everybody wins. I pass on what I know, they save a load of time and the value is exchanged. I can then, if I choose, exchange those units that I've received from my customers with someone else for what they do. For something which I need or consider valuable. Food, fuel, guitars, property, you know, whatever it is. Or I can hold on to the stored value in the money. That's savings. The the beer tokens or the pounds are um, stored up value and they're counted easily and added to a list, usually in a bank balance. And there's nothing real there. It's just my stored value is somehow transmogrified into zeros and ones and it shows up on a screen. It's like magic. Of course, the banks create the money out of thin air anyway, but that's for another episode. My bank balance is just a score in the game of providing value and helping people, in my opinion. That's about all it is. If you or I help more people get what they want, and if it's recognised as being of value to the customer, they'll give us their units of value. We can add them to our tally at the bank as long as we continue to play better and score better. We'll just keep on accumulating more of that stored value. This ain't rocket science, guys. Now, the other thing I like to do with my value units, with my money, is turn them into little workers by investing in things that store value and produce income for me, preferably when I'm asleep. These things are called assets. So for me, that's mostly rental properties. For other people, it might be bonds, it might be fixed interest savings accounts, and, and so on. 
So, now you understand just a little bit about money. Where's your head at? What do you believe about money? Because beliefs about money vary wildly, and they largely affect your entire relationship with money. If you think money is good, you'll probably attract it and hang on to it. You'll value it. If you think money is evil, you'll get rid of it as fast as you possibly can. Because you won't want to get tainted by that horrible, evil, dirty money. Give it to me. And if you think money's hard to come by, well, mate, you're going to really struggle to, to acquire any of it. You see, like a lot of people, I was brought up to think that, quote, money doesn't grow on trees. That somehow the rich people stole from poor people. Poor people like me. I was obviously being educated to be a poor person. I was told that people were filthy rich. My mum and dad used to talk about dirty money and filthy rich people. And there was this really twisted idea floating around that poor people were somehow nobler than those rich gits. Later on, I've heard that people say that money isn't as important as love. It's not as important as happiness. And a whole bunch of other ridiculous stuff. And people who talk about money in that kind of way, people who tell you that money isn't important, don't have any money. Period. This is, you know, political, social, religious... Every religious system in the world is great at conditioning followers to adopt beliefs that cause them to get rid of their money. Guess who these fools give their money to? The institutions which told them and enlightened them as to the evil of their financial success. Ever hear the phrase, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Heard that? And that's, you know, it's from the New Testament, isn't it? And you've probably heard other such complete bollocks about money, put about by people who ultimately want your money. Oh, makes you kind of angry, doesn't it? Anyway. Why don't we teach kids about money at an early age? Why don't we educate kids in school about it? I mean, to let them enter the workplace, enter the world of money with no idea about how the system works and how to be successful in the system. It's either stupid or it's sinister. It's of evil intent to let people be ignorant about a vital tool of society. This is a massive problem because it's setting generation after generation up to fail. People leaving school with no financial education are stuck in a system they don't understand. And because they don't understand it, the chance of their success is basically zero and they're stuck there for life. So let me ask you guys, what were you told about money? And where do you get your beliefs around money from? If you got them from successful, wealthy people, maybe that would be a belief worth holding. Their advice might be worth listening to. 
If you got your beliefs and advice around money from poor people, probably parents who knew very little about money, this would be a good time to reconsider those beliefs. A friend of mine summed it up beautifully. He just said, don't take money advice from poor people. <gasps> wow. Blew my socks off with that remark. Don't take money advice from poor people. Oh, how obvious. And some of these poor people are actually masquerading as experts. Quite a long time ago, I remember sitting with my bank's certified financial planner. A lovely, charming lady I'd known from the local branch for years. And she was conducting the bank's financial review of my situation. We went through my numbers and she made several suggestions about my possibly investing in bank products. Now, she's an independent financial planner, IFA, so I assumed she knew all about money. She had qualifications in it, you know, proper, proper, real grown-up qualifications about it. So I asked her about her investments and financial strategies so I could copy her wise choices. What happened next freaked me out. She blushed. She teared up, lost her composure completely and told me she was struggling to make ends meet. What? She's an IFA, a professional financial advisor who can't make ends meet. What is going on? When she calmed down and settled down a bit, she actually asked me how come I was doing so well. That really rattled me. Nice as she was, and she still is, because I see her from time to time. I won't take her advice or the advice of other people who are not practitioners of wealth. Now, a couple of years ago, I wanted to talk to someone about pensions. So I spoke to a nice enough lad who was an IFA, certified IFA. Uh, turns out he wasn't doing any investing in what he was selling either. And after asking me about what I did in property outside of teaching guitar and the returns I was making from it, he became very interested in teaming up with me to invest his savings pot with me. These are two seasoned professional financial advisors, both clueless, both skint, and neither doing what they peddled and advised. And these are the legitimate state-approved money experts Please, let's get real. Get your money advice from wealthy, successful people. Don't get your money advice from poor people. Right. So let's, let's look at this money, good or evil business. Money isn't good. It isn't evil. It's just neutral. What it actually is, is kind of an amplifier. As I said before, it it just amplifies who you are. If you're good, money lets you do more good. If you're an idiot, it allows you to be more of an idiot. You can scale up your operations. Think about that. Good operations, oh, you do more good. Idiotic operations, you do more idiotic things. And let's talk about rich people. Now, I'm going to use the term rich people, but... What I think would be more useful would be to consider them successful deliverers of value. They are 
you know, they're not what you are told by politically motivated people. Watch out for the word rich, because it is loaded. Think of them as being successful people who provide value for which their customers are happy to pay lots of money. They're not evil, greedy exploiters. This is absolute bollocks. They're not holding a gun to someone's head and forcing them to buy an iPhone or a Spotify subscription or a Netflix subscription or anything else. People get rich by giving other people what those other people want, by creating value that other people are willing to exchange their beer tokens for. And rich people, in my experience, having been around an awful lot of multimillionaires, are that they're generous people. They can obviously afford to be generous, both with their time and with their money. They're helpful to those who are trying to help themselves. And this one blew my mind. I remember watching Gerald Ratner, who was asked to get a photograph by a young lad who had a money podcast, say, I haven't got time for the photo, but I've got 15 minutes. We'll do your podcast here now. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to give away his precious time to a young lad who's just started his own money podcast for kids. That absolutely astounded me. He just wanted to help. He wanted to reach back to other members of the tribe, the tribe of strivers, and to pull them up to high levels of success by giving away everything he knew. Maybe that's why rich people are happier than poor people. I think it's because the way they get rich is they see the possibilities in any situation and create solutions to problems. And if they're solutions-based, well, they're going to be less stressed than poor people. They're not worried about paying the mortgage. What they're more concerned with is solving problems. They're generally very curious, very playful, and they're a lot of fun to be around. You get in a room full of successful, wealthy people, there's a very different vibe than if you're in a room that's full of people who've got no money. People who are focused on their problems, not their opportunities and their solutions. So, start to think of yourself as a successful, wealthy, rich person. If, like me, you've ever found yourself saying things like, I'm not good with money, just stop. Smile and recognize this as the moment when you've just discovered the reason why you're not good with money. And change that script. Change the script to, I'm really good with money. Money loves me. Money's attracted to me. I love money and I love the good things it allows me to do for myself and for others. And guess what happens when you start using this script instead of the no good with money script? Well, money starts to become attracted to you because that's what your brain starts to look for. So start now. Begin to educate yourself about money, building wealth and changing your beliefs about money. Read, listen, and learn. Because out there, there are lots of very successful wealthy people who are eager to help other people 
through their books, their talks, their podcasts, and so on. And they're actually quite easy reads. It's not technical manuals. Go and get a copy of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, explaining the difference between two mindsets. Go and get them. Rob Moore. I love Rob. I spent a lot of time with Rob. His book, Money. Oh, fabulous book. The the much-missed Felix Dennis. His great book, How to Get Rich. What a great title. What a great book. And there are many, many more out there. Start reading, start listening, start talking. Talk to as many wealthy, successful people as you can. And educate yourself. There is no excuse. Get yourself a financial education. I spend thousands of pounds every single year on my own education. Because education is way cheaper than ignorance. If I spend a couple of thousand pounds on a multi-day course, that could make me tens of thousands of pounds over and over again over time. It could save me years of error, years of blunder, and the cost of doing it wrong. That's worth investing in. I'm worth investing in. The next thing I want you to do is get around successful, wealthy people. Get around them in the flesh. Get around them on the phone. Read the books. Get the products. Listen to their audios. Their advice and insights are worth infinitely more than the few pounds or dollars a used copy of their book would cost you. And don't be a money victim in your own casual financial car crash. Take action every single day. Guys, I've been poor and now I'm not so poor. I suppose I'm comparatively wealthy now. And I'm, I've got to say, if I was forced to make the choice over again between being poor and being comparatively wealthy and successful, I know what I'd choose. I'd choose to be wealthy every time. You see, I couldn't help anyone when I was skinned. Now I can be way more generous and help more people because I'm not desperately trying to make ends meet. If you think this is unpleasant or uncomfortable and you turn away, then you're making a choice. You're already choosing by refusing to make a choice. Learn about money, get yourself an education, choose well. Choose to make money work for you. Choose to let money empower you. Choose to use the money you make to allow you to make better choices for yourself and for those around you, rather than be willfully ignorant and let money enslave you. Changing what you think and what you believe about money will change your life. So think about it. What do you think about money? Is money your friend? Is it a worker for you, a tool of the system in the hands of the evil capitalist oppressors? Is it a weapon or is it a social good? I'd be really interested to know what you think. Drop me an email over. It's info at neilcamado.com or find me on X, Twitter, where I am, at Tudor Podcast. Remember, guys, I'm here to learn. I'm here to help. I'm here to share what I've learned so far. And I do love to hear from you. Right, let's wrap up. If you haven't already done so, please like and subscribe to the Tudor Podcast. And 
As always, I'm going to be back next week with more no BS ideas and more tips to help you to start, grow and love your tutoring business, just like I love mine. Till next time, I hope this podcast has got you thinking and I hope it's been some help. Till then, stay healthy, stay useful. Have a fabulous day. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.